0: This is a a P Artistry Production.
1: We are two women in academia. Raising questions and breaking down perceptions. From a black point of view. Welcome to the Black Gaze Podcast. It's
0: your girl, Dr. Porcher.
1: And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand.
0: What's our topic for today, Dr. B?
1: I am excited, Dr. P, because today we are talking about Black pre-service teachers, their why, personal experiences,
0: and the impact of COVID-19. I'm excited today too, girl. Um, the reason why I'm super excited to do this session with Black pre-service teachers is because since the pandemic happened, everyone has been reimagining schools without their voices. And I know everyone's overwhelmed. Everybody's like, let's see what teachers think. Let's see what principals think. Let's hear what students think. But I think we don't want to miss an opportunity to hear from the Black pre-service teachers who are experiencing the pandemic right now and they never imagined teaching like this Mm -hmm. and and how they are navigating this as they um, prepare to go into the classroom. So I'm really excited to share that today. But Before we do that, we got to do what we always do. Um, We have to honor our OGs. So I want us to talk about today, the people who supported us as Black pre-service teachers. Dr. B, who do you have?
1: Well, let me just go ahead and put out a little uh, disclaimer. I did not go through a traditional undergraduate education program. Actually, I kind of consider myself to be like a career switcher because I already had my bachelor's degree and then decided to be a teacher. So and then during that process, everybody was white. So I ain't got nobody to shout out for that. But no, not to say that white people aren't great teachers. No, 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 no. Don't take that wrong. But in my undergrad, I had a phenomenal um woman it was um Kathy Hamilton at that time it was Kathy Hamilton Brown now her name is Kathy Hamilton Gore and i saw i see so much of me doing what she did when i was at um at NC State she was she's a teaching associate professor but it was the way that she moved like she was so encouraging she always was trying to you know, helped me navigate just being at a predominantly white institution, mm. even with personal things that I was experiencing. She was there for me to talk to. Um, it was just, she had this mother role that she played during that time, just like a scholar mom or something. And so I wanted to shout her out today because she really helped me to see somebody who reflects myself, first of all, because I think that was one of probably a few black professors that I had when I was at that institution. So I want to shout out today, Kathy Hamilton Gore. I see you. I love you. I need to contact her because I haven't heard from her in years. So I, this really has inspired me. Who you have? Who is your OG?
0: Listen, come on, OG Kathy. But before I, I go into my OG, I think it's a great opportunity to talk about, you know, career switchers and mm-hmm. alternate route opportunities for Black pre-service teachers, you know, we we are teaching in teacher education programs, so that's the work that we know, right? But a lot of our Black students do go the alternate route because of financial um, hardships. And so going through an alternate route program gives them the opportunity to work in their teaching position before you know as they go through their courses and i think we don't give those spaces enough shine Mm -hmm. where we focus a lot on teacher education programs which you know we we work very hard in them but these are the spaces that are opening up doors for black teachers to enter the field so i love that you brought that up so my og for today is miss deborah sellers i know i mentioned her on the last podcast but she's my OG today because not only did she support me while I was a pre-service teacher, but she supported me throughout my entire high school career, my college career, my master's career, and she's still like a second mom to me. Um I every time I think about her, I think about Toni Morrison's work on other mothering, right? Yeah. And so in the black community, and it's crazy that you said Kathy was like your, you know, your academic mama too. There are so many Black women who play multiple roles as mothers, whether they are your birth mom or not. And she was that for me, always encouraging me, always telling me it was something that I could do, but also reminding me that... Listen, Keisha, if you show up in classrooms, think about how many kids are going to be free because they're going to see themselves in you. Yeah. You are not the like you came from the hood. How many black kids in the hood will now come into the classroom and see you? So she always kept that at the forefront of my mind. Like you getting a bachelor's degree in 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 English and Secondary Education, it's not just about you. It's about all of the kids in Wynton Terrace that are also waiting on you. So my OG today is Miss Deborah Sellers.
1: I love that. Oh, we might have to do an episode on black mothering because that yes. really sparked something because you are so right. Black women really do take on this mothering role even for black women who don't have biological children they still Absolutely. have a presence of nurturing and helping you through that's what Kathy did for me that's what Deborah did for you that is amazing i love it i love it
0: yes and so i know we talked about it a little bit but i would just want to bring it back to your forefront just in case you missed last episode if you did definitely go check it out but in our last episode we talked about the myths and the complexities of the black teacher shortage I am so excited about this episode because we are talking to Black pre-service teachers. Let's hear the introduction of the Black pre-service teachers who will enter the classroom soon. My
2: name is Kiara Wright and I just graduated with a Master of Education with my elementary education, kindergarten through sixth grade teacher
3: certification. Hey guys, um, my name is Maya Smith and I am in a
4: K-12 English education program. Hey, so my name is Rowana Modley. I'm in the graduate school of education um, in the program for K-12 English education.
5: My name is Genesis Robinson and my major is English teacher education.
0: We asked the pre-service teachers why they wanted to become teachers cuz we talked a little bit about, you know, our why at the beginning. So let's hear Kiara's story.
2: I want to become a teacher for various reasons. I'll speak on two of them. I've had some great teachers and I've had some not great teachers. My grandmother was ultimately my first teacher. During my early years of schooling, I was threatened with retention because I couldn't read. I was five and six years old when this happened because it occurred in both kindergarten and first grade. My mother saw that I could read if given more individualized instruction. So every night after work, she would teach me how to read and write. If it wasn't for her teachings, I would not be where I am. My second reason is because I saw the inequities firsthand when I was a substitute teacher in an urban school district. The children were eager to learn. They wanted to understand the world that they lived in. The teachers were doing the best they could with what they had. I asked myself a question. How can schools provide the best education for our children when they aren't given the right tools? This includes, of course, funding. However, this could also include counselors for students and staff who could be dealing with trauma. One-to-one reliable technology and a curriculum that is relevant to them and so many others.
0: I love that she honored her grandmother and her mother as her first educators. This is very important for teachers to understand. As many times um, in public schools, Black parents are not positioned by schools in teacher prep. They are positioned by schools in teacher preparation programs as deficits. So Dr. B and I both teach in teacher ed programs. And it's always fascinating to me how when these students are like this is their first class and they're like black parents don't care they don't show up and i'm like mm-hmm. have you met a black parent right and so i think that yeah, is like it. true. like have you met a black parent I like you know it. them you've met them okay um so i i love that kiara brought up her grandmother and her mother taking the time to notice that what the school wasn't giving her, they could provide, they could teach her how to read. And I think that's something that we all could learn that especially in, she talked about how her mother was working and her mother would come home late at night and read with her, right? It may seem like her mother isn't available or that she's not present, but her mother was working, but still found time to address something that she knew her daughter could do. She knew that her daughter could read and she was determined to provide that for her. So Kiara's grandmother and her mother, they the real OGs. Absolutely.
1: And it's so funny that you mention this because I'm thinking about how often... Black parents get a bad rep. And even in my mm-hmm. teaching career, especially, I don't know if secondary was like this, but for elementary school, anytime a parent did not show up, it was like a, um, well, their parents don't care or their parents, you know, aren't, you know, they, they, I don't know where their parents at. I tried to contact them. They're not there and they're not available. Black parents mm-hmm. do their part. They might not do it the way that you think they should look. But they do their part. And I'm so happy that she highlighted the work of not only her mother, but her grandmother, because that's important, especially in COVID-19. I heard so many people parent bash, like, oh, well, they're not doing the um, e-learning or I can't find my students or this, that, and other. Don't do that. Don't do that. Parents are doing what they can to help their children. And it just may not look like what you think it should look like, Period.
0: But listen, let me just say this real quick. I'm gonna put a quarter in the meter early and park right here. Let me park. So I've also seen this narrative like, well, now you see how bad your children are. Now you gotta teach them. I'm sorry, honey, boo. You have the degree for teaching. Not that my mom, somebody, I expect you to be able to teach them right now. Our ideas of what education looks like in our family differ, but please do not expect a parent to do guided reading with their child. That's not what they were trying to do. OK, so I think we have to be extremely careful because when we have when we make comments like that, we create a dichotomy between us versus
4: them. So, Kiara, thank you for sharing your story. But let's hear from Rwan. Growing up in my education, I never really got the chance to see uh, myself reflected in my education and in my teachers. Being able to uh, give students that and remind them that knowledge and culture and knowledge and society and societal issues and systematic oppressions that exist around us every day are really important in helping to make us knowledgeable citizens and active community members who are social advocates for ourselves and for others. And I think of this a lot when Dr. Porcher once uh, asked us this question last semester, And I instantly went and started to uh, answer about my father um, and how I wanted to prove something to him. And it made me recall that she um, let me answer the question, but she also sort of stopped me and told me to remember that it was important to think of why I did it for the kids, why I'm doing it for them and not myself. And she sort of did the same thing again a couple of weeks ago when we were having a conversation about what student teaching would be like in the fall semester and how that was scary for students going into that because we wouldn't have the experience that other students had going into the job field. And she reminded me again that I was thinking too much about us, like me as a a teacher or teachers and not thinking about the students. And I think that resonated with me a lot and both Those moments also remind me that I have to be conscious and always remember what I'm doing and why I'm doing it for the kids.
0: I love that Rwand was so transparent and said, I never saw a teacher that looked like me. Mm -hmm. And I think about this a lot because how many students get to see themselves in the people in front of them? Mm
4: -hmm.
0: How can you be something that you never see?
4: Hmm
1: that's deep you know what and it's funny because I'm thinking about episode one when we discuss sister circles and how we express our desire to see people who look like us in the academy right and people based off of feedback people have taken sister circles to a whole nother dimension they're looking at it at their corporate office they're looking at it at Just in their community. So when I look at that and I think about our desire and how it brings us joy to see people who look like us, I started to ponder about our children and I started Mm. to think about how do black children navigate schooling with not seeing someone that looks like them throughout the whole process or anybody Mm -hmm. who even. Gives them just a glimpse of who they are. And I remember a couple of years back, my pre-service teachers were in a clinical and they had um, a black student in the class. And these were my white pre-service teachers. And the the pre-service teacher came to me and said, Dr. B, she was like, I really feel bad because such and such said that I asked her what she wanted to be when she grows up. And she said she wanted to be either the custodian or the secretary. Mm -hmm. Let me put a, a quarter in the meter right there. I am not saying that the secretary and the custodian are not important roles. Mm. But what I'm saying is these were the only two black people in her school. building. So therefore, when she thought about her future, she automatically went to the custodian and she automatically went to the secretary because that's what she sees. Shout out to the custodians and secretaries. Because again, I am not saying that those are not great positions. However, what I do want for my black children is I want them to imagine themselves to be something like an astronaut, a lawyer, Mm. an engineer, things of that Mm -hmm. nature. But she couldn't think past what she saw. So just imagine how our children navigate through schooling, never seeing anybody who looks like them and the harm that does. Just think about it.
0: And you know what? It's, It's so crazy. I'm getting chills as we talk about this because when I showed up at Spelman College, I felt like I had been bamboozled hoodwink. Okay. I thought somebody had definitely pulled my leg. Right. Because when I got to Spelman, I saw all of these black professionals, Mm -hmm. right. I saw lawyers. I, I had friends who had parents who were both parents were doctors, right. Medical doctors. And it kept dawning on me. Why did I never get an opportunity Mm -hmm. to see that? Right. Mm -hmm. And so we know the impacts of poverty, but how many of us are being intentional about exposing our Black children to all facets of different types of careers. But then I'm going to take it even further, you know, especially in the school system is that people who lack melanin, they're always trying to show up as the savior, as opposed to trying to connect Black students with people who are like Mm. them. In our last episode, we discussed that in some instances... Um, we are integrating Black pre-service teachers into a burning house mm. in our teacher education programs, meaning that they are having very negative, abusive and traumatic experiences mm. in teacher education programs. Listen to the pre-service teachers. Let's start with Maya.
3: My experience, I feel like was very petty and like high school I feel like I was in a room filled with a lot of women who knew each other who grew up with each other it was a room filled with white women and white women dominated the staff of the school and I feel like when I came in and I connected with students so easily and I had all these ideas in place it was more of jealousy or to see me as competition than to nurture me as a teacher
0: now Maya, woo, child, what a word. <laughs> um, I think this is something we all need. And Maya, we like that's why we created the black gaze. We have been culturally conditioned to focus on the white gaze My so when we find the answer we will let you know mm-hmm. i will say this um and we keep going back to episode one because it was so important but start surrounding yourself with people who have your experience that you can bounce ideas off of and other black professionals who can mentor you and i know it's extremely challenging in white dominated spaces To find that only black person, because what happens is if there's only one or two black faculty members, then they end up taking the weight of all of the students of color because they're coming to them with their issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can be mentored outside of your profession. Right. So try to surround yourselves with people who have the same experiences as you so that you're not sitting there like, oh, my God, am I crazy? So I think that's the first thing to do is definitely develop a circle where you can feel validated and supported in a firm during this time.
1: I also want to acknowledge how Maya discussed that when she was in these placements, sometimes the teachers hated how she connected with the students, like mm. straight being a hater. This. Will happen. I have seen it happen. I've had numerous pre-service teachers that I have heard of that have been put in placements and then they did not mesh with their white um, cooperating teachers, which caused friction. Um mm-hmm. but keep doing you boo. I have heard just horror stories and I feel like this is just another obstacle that gets in the Black Pre-Service teachers way as they begin to navigate through their teacher education program. But I want Black Pre-Service teachers to know just go forth. Go forth. It. It's another obstacle. Hop over it, baby.
0: Hop over. And it's interesting because I feel like it becomes bullying. Right.
4: Mm. I remember my
0: pre-service teacher said, you know, Dr. Porcher, I'll I'll teach. And when I'm up teaching, they're in the back snickering about me.
1: Wow. And I would
0: ask them, like, what's funny? And she said they would just walk away. So some of this is like bully tactics, Mm -hmm. right, where they're literally trying to intimidate our our black pre-service teachers. Um, Well, you thought Maya gave us a word. Wait till you hear from Genesis. I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay, my experience
5: in teacher education as a black student has been interesting. I think that because of the historical stereotypes and deep-rooted racism in education that black students are already seen as inferior. And I will say that that sentiment definitely still exists in my educational experiences that I've had. I've had professors say microaggressions, peers say microaggressions, or just blatantly um, disrespect a group of people I've heard racial slurs like it doesn't really end with me. I'm not the only student who has experienced this as a black student in teacher education because it is very white. I feel that I have to work twice as hard, um, even three times as hard as my peers just to prove that I am capable of the work that we have to do. I oftentimes feel like I have to get more creative or um, bring more of my personality out, whereas I can see some of my peers kind of just coast by. I'm oftentimes expected to provide some type of cultural insight on things, whereas my peers aren't. Um, It's just like small, small things like that that aren't necessarily equitable that I feel I've experienced as a black student in teacher education.
0: Woo. Genesis just just took us there, honey. She just (laughs) took us there. I think it's important to name this as abuse. And I think that's why we created the Black Gays Podcast is because a lot of us are having these experiences, but we don't know how to name it. And Genesis just called it out. Like, this is abuse like we're literally putting them in harm's way by pushing them to say and this is not in any way saying hey we don't want you all to be teachers but we have to think about the abuse that happens to them when we put them in these always spaces I,
1: I I'm just like wow like Genesis hit on so much like I'm listening to her and I am really hurt by how our black pre-service teachers feel in these education programs. They pay good money to attend these institutions, mm-hmm. but then it's funny because I always say that black faculty pay a black tax, meaning that we mm-hmm. have to go above and beyond the call of what we were supposed to do to prove ourselves to be worthy to be in this space. But our black mm-hmm. pre-service teachers, have to pay the same black tax in addition to paying their tuition so that they can feel like they're doing enough in the institution my god this mm. is this is this is a mess this is a mess
0: this is an absolute mess but but wait, Genesis has more oh, let's listen to her heart listen to her heart, honey.
5: I would like my professors to know that my black experience has been brutal it is very degrading to walk into a classroom and you're the only person who looks like you it takes a certain level of work ethic and grit and just you have to be in the right headspace to learn in an environment like that where you have to literally work twice as hard as your peers just because of preconceived notions about your race So um, I think that my professors should keep that in the forefront of their minds, that they need to be as equitable and as liberating to their students as possible.
0: It makes me sad that Black students have these experiences in these white-dominated spaces. I had such a great experience at Spelman. I um, actually studied English and secondary education for undergrad, so everyone looked like me. And I didn't learn under this type of stress, violence, and nor was it an abusive environment. Now they ain't play no games with us, honey. Mm-hmm. But I remember like designing lesson plans and unit plans and reading because the culture was so welcoming and loving, and we were learning about black excellence that I like I thoroughly enjoyed my experience. And so listening to these black pre-service teachers is breaking my heart because that was not my experience
1: wow did you hear her when she said um it's brutal and Mm. degrading like professors we gotta do better And I'm serious. Genesis literally just became the plug because she's telling professors how to do better. There has to be something done. You can't think just because you got a Ph.D. you arrived. You have never arrived. You are still needing to work on you. Black pre-service teachers, any pre-service teacher should not have to feel like their experience in their institution is brutal or degrading. It's abusive, like you said.
0: And it's interesting because this is the key to education. You know, it's relationships. But it always baffles me that we are making so many decisions in education without talking to the students. My God. Genesis just laid out to you what you need to do better. She laid it out, honey, and she gave it to you for free. Do you hear me? Listen. She gave it to you for free. But what would happen if we actually listened to all of our students? Let them be the plug for us to tell us how we can teach them better. So thank you, Genesis, for laying it out for us, because it's yeah. not just for, you know, Dr. B and I are going to have to. We, we're we listening to this and saying, OK, now we know we, we're showing up for black students, but we can do even more. So thank you for Absolutely. that. So COVID-19 is impacting everyone, but we're thinking through ways in which pre-service teachers have been impacted their needs and thoughts as they enter the profession during this time. We are going to use this opportunity to hear from them and develop our preaching points on what we need to do next to support them. So it's one thing for us to listen to them, but what's our call to action? What are we going to do differently to support them? So let's hear from Kiara first.
2: I want black children to be heard. This is a very traumatic time and our children are feeding off of that, unfortunately, We need more counselors and social workers in the schools. We need more trauma-informed education training for teachers. Black people have been disproportionately more affected by COVID-19 than other races. A lot of this is due to underlying conditions, such as obesity and diabetes. However, what happens when someone lives in a food desert or a food swamp? I want to see more healthy living resources given to our children
0: and their neighborhoods. Woo! Dr. B, this is going wow. back to the many conversations that we have had wow. um, when we are speaking about what are we going to do differently when the pandemic is over? Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I've heard you say on you know radio, um, on interview opportunities, and I've kind of talked about it, it's providing spaces, be it town halls, listening sessions, mm-hmm. um, opportunities for parents to come in and talk, board meetings, mm-hmm. is we're going to have to listen. To the concerns of our students, but we ain't just listening for the sake to say, "Oh yeah, we had a meeting." We actually have to put some of their suggestions in place. We got to do it differently, and this is a perfect opportunity for us to really listen to them because we are. We'll say it in a minute. Oh, we listen to kids, do we? Mm. Let's put Let's put our money where our mouth is.
1: But you know what? I believe that Kiara make so many great suggestions there needs to be more counselors and social workers in schools i was at a school a couple of months ago and they told me that they could either have a a guidance counselor or a school counselor i'm not sure what the term is now i'm sorry counselors or they could have a social worker they couldn't have both so they had to choose Mm. which one they could have at this point with COVID 19 they need to be able to have everything okay Mm. then Teachers, she mentioned how teachers need to be trauma informed, have the trauma informed training. Absolutely. And I want to put a plug right here. I have been seeing people be abusive with this trauma-informed training. You are only Mm -hmm. sitting here focusing on black children, but you're like, oh, your daddy's incarcerated, check. So, you know, you're trauma-informed or your mama's on drugs, check. And it's only focused on the black children. No, ma'am, Pam, you need to make sure that those trauma-informed practices are not biased towards any group of children. Mm. This is a pandemic. So, Schools are going to have to do something that they've never done or that they don't often do. And that is support black children. You are going to have to put the needs of black children ahead of other children because the black community has been hit the hardest by COVID-19. So you don't know who they've lost, how they've lost, and what they've experienced, the grieving that is happening. So students, Schools need to take that into
0: consideration. Absolutely. And I don't think that at this at this current time, I want to make sure I insert this is we're not bashing teachers. We're not bashing schools. The fact, though, this is a fact, and you know, you can Stay call the, the preacher fact. and ask him himself. Stay is that fact. schools in public schools specifically, we know were not built for black children. We know that they were actually intentional on not ensuring that black and brown children had equitable opportunities to learn. So that's a fact, be it pre pandemic or during the pandemic, right? And so I've heard so many times oh, we can't get that for this school, or we don't have enough money for this, honey. But I saw a whole districts turn around and give children laptops. So I saw a lot of things that we said mm-hmm. can never be done now be receipt. done. And so I think that, yeah, girl, I will pull a receipt on you in a minute. But listen, this is my thing. This is not a time to bash teachers or schools or principals, but we have to be honest and say that we have not done a good job at providing equitable opportunities for black children to learn. And now that the pandemic has pulled the rug from up under people or pulled the cover off of folks, Now let's talk about it. Let's really, really talk about it. And let's not dance around and have conversations about culturally relevant pedagogy and social emotional learning, but in a way that's comfortable for white people. Now this thing gonna have to be real. Right. And so I think we've become accustomed to throwing these words around, but it's just a way to continue to replicate whiteness. And it shows that they don't even really understand really what culturally relevant pedagogy is but I'm gonna get off my
1: my spirit like I'm over here like a hallelujah because (laughs) no you just (laughs) preach a word like you just kept it a straight buck a (laughs) hundred listen that was so important but I do want to say this last thing I was listening to a chat the other day and um the speaker said when the black family hurts black children hurt and so Mm -hmm. that is why we are going so hard on this topic and saying what schools need to do I love the schools I love I love all teachers but we really are gonna have to do something different
0: honey listen different all right so Rowan um builds on Kiara's feedback about listening to students but she adds in parents and families let's hear Mm -hmm. it
4: I also think it's really important to continue involving uh, parents and communities more in student education. Uh, I've called parents a ton of times throughout the time that we've had the pandemic. I don't imagine I would have called them at all if we were back at school. So I've had a few valuable conversations with a couple of parents explaining to them what's going on in class and just talking it out with them, uh, you know, what stresses are happening to the family. If the parent is working, how that affects how much work the student is getting done because the parent isn't as present to continue to um, encourage and push the student to do the work. So it's really important to be mindful of all this stuff. And I feel like we have to be mindful of this even when we're in normal times because it's important to keep parents in the loop.
0: It's extremely important to center the voices of parents and communities in their schools, and I, I had to like. I know this is gonna make folks mad, but I think it's important to point out that sometimes schools are referenced as the possession of the principals and the teachers. Wow. This is our school, no, baby. This is their school. These, this is a school for the students. This is a school for the community. And I think in education, we have created this dichotomy, as I talked about earlier of us versus them. Mm -hmm. And let me be completely transparent Mm -hmm. and honest. Black families are not always welcomed in the school space. You know why? Because they don't show up like white Mm -hmm. middle-class parents. Mm -hmm. They don't parent like white middle-class people, or we only accept, you know, that one type of black family, Mm -hmm. right? We have to make sure that we listen to their voices during this time, especially the parents who are working. Like, I grew up in the hood. Mm-hmm. Like, when I say the hood, I mean the hood. Not the hood. And I gotta be honest. <laughs> the hood. Now, my grandmother used to say this to me, and I want to insert this here for all the teachers to hear this. My grandmother um, had custody of my siblings and I, and my grandmother was retired when she um, got custody of us, but when she got custody of us, they wouldn't give her funding for us initially so my grandmother in the morning time worked at a daycare down the street from our school at night my grandmother worked for the post office okay so what my grandmother would say to me is Keisha if I have to come up to that school it's gonna be a bad day for you and everybody involved right and so from the outside looking in it seems like oh Keisha's grandma was not involved. No, my grandmother was working two jobs to make sure that her seven grandchildren had what they needed, Mm -hmm. right? But then take it a step further. I've been listening to principals and superintendents during this pandemic. You have some homes that have the older children who are at the high school and the younger children who are at the elementary school, right? And so their parents are essential workers. So while the parents are working, The older children have to watch the younger children. There's only one laptop in the house that they're all sharing. And what the school district found was that those older kids were not logging on until 10 o'clock p.m. Mm -hmm. when their parents were returning. So if your parent-teacher conferences
4: Mm -hmm.
0: are at 9 o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the afternoon and parents aren't returning home until night. Now I'm not saying that you have to be there at nighttime, Mm -hmm. but we are going to have to reimagine and rethink what parental involvement looks like. And we're going to have to listen to them to find out what works for them. Absolutely, And that's all I'm going to say. You
1: said, you said a mouthful. I love it. But you know Mm -hmm. what? Tying that in, when I do PD, I always tell teachers the same thing. What time is your parent-teacher conferences. What, what are you expecting them to do during the daytime? Because I, I need to know what that looks like. Because for me, when I was getting my PhD, I was also teaching full-time. People thought that I was an absent mother. Like they didn't see me trying to grind because they were like, oh, well, you know, Kennedy's mom is never at school. No, because I can't go to a 10 a.m. PTO meeting. That's stupid. That's stupid on all levels. So I do think that you hit so many great points. But I want to go back to what Rewan said. Rowan said that she called and asked families, what stressors are they mm. experiencing? How many times do you hear, and I was one of them, teachers assume what's happening in somebody's mm. household. This approach of calling a parent and asking, what are the stressors? How's your family mm. doing? How Just simply, how's your family doing right now? How is your family handling this pandemic? Can you imagine the kinds of insight this would give not only the educator, but then it would also let the family know, like, this person genuinely is concerned about our well-being. Sometimes we have to pause on the content in the curriculum and just deal with people, just deal with, mm-hmm. you, just be a human being and deal with the soul of a person. Like, how how are you? So I, I just wanted to call that out because I felt like that was so very important just to ask. What are the stressors? What's bothering you? And it might not be nothing I can do about it, but at least you know I care. At
0: least you know. And I think, too, just to take it a step further is we have to do those same things for teachers. Oh, right? yeah. We got we to gotta check in with them and say, how you doing? Because I'm going to tell you right now. Uh-huh. I had to tell folks. You don't know how many people I have had. Uh, they sent me an email with a whole list of things to do, and I'll send them an email back and say, hey, how you doing? How your family doing? hmm Mm-hmm. and then they'll respond like oh yeah how how are you doing yeah because this work ain't that important honey you we have to humanize our experiences together but listen rawan gave us more more game for free right she
4: highlights the role of a teacher right mm-hmm. honey she brings a word let's hear it I want us to um think of our definition of an educator and what it means to be an educator and to be a teacher um and to you know give knowledge to these students And um, I feel like what I've learned education and educators to be is that they uh, show us the skills that we already have, but they allow us to um, uh, realize them and become conscious of them ourselves. And um, they just guide us on this path and they let us uh, do all the work while being there as a point of reference and as sort of a safety net to help save us if we make mistakes. Now. This reminds me of the work of Dr.
0: Goldie Muhammad, Cultivating Black Genius. Mm. If we believe that students already come to us as geniuses and with funds of knowledge, we have no choice. And when I say no, I mean no. No choice but to dismantle our biases about what Black children can't do. But then Genesis comes through quarterbacking and builds upon <laughs> Rowan's argument that we must see the genius and greatness in our Black students. Listen to her.
5: I would want my Black students to know that one, I love them, and two, that they are brilliant. I never want my students to feel like They have a wrong answer, or they can't do something, or they're not good enough. I always want them to feel like top-rate versions of themselves. I want to do a lot of character building, relationship building, personality building, um, just trying to allow them to figure out who they are as people and then who they are as learners. And I think that things will go smoothly with my curriculum once I figure out who they are as people and see them as people first and then see them as students who i'm able to facilitate their learning
0: what would happen if we truly saw our students i think she said something like we need to see them mm-hmm. like we need to actually see them and not just students we need to see each other like really see the human in front of us beyond the work that we have to do
1: Genesis. says talks about so much like she wants to do character building and relationship building and going back to what you just said she wants to see them as people first. And that is a part of in my courses that I tell my students, my pre-service teachers all the time, this, this whole first month of school moving forward, mm. you just need to be worried about building a relationship in a community. I'll, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're going to teach some of the curriculum, but at the end of the day, the relationship in the community is so important because this is what you're going to need in order to get students to learn. Students are not not going to learn from a couple of different people. They're not going to learn from people they don't like. They're not going to learn from people who they do not think is invested in their best interest. And they're not going to learn from people that they, they, I ain't trying to compare a child to a dog, but they can sniff and smell (laughs) when you ain't right. They they can, I ain't trying, I love the babies, but they can, they can sense your bias, your stereotypes, your ugliness. And so we have to make sure that we are building this community with our children. And Genesis talks about just that. Like I I love how she really goes into looking at those students as humans. A lot of times we come in and we try to set a power structure. Well, I'm the teacher, Mm -hmm. you're the students, this is my class. No, baby, it's their class. It's our class. Because if you don't get them on board... It's a wrap. Nobody's learning anything. And then there goes your test scores and in your evaluations at the end of the year. So we got to make sure that we're doing what we need to do in order to see our students.
0: Like you can start the first month, but it has to be ongoing. Like I check in with my students every single class period that I have with them. And it's so interesting. One of my students, she said, because, again, in the program that I taught in, we have post back students, so we have career um, switchers like you, Dr. B. And one of my students had a daughter. She has a daughter. And every time I see her, I'm like, how your daughter doing? And she said, nobody. She said, in my whole time here, no one has ever asked me how my daughter's doing. That's important. I'm like, that's an extension of who you are. How can I just let you show up in front of me and never say anything? Let me, let me slow down. Okay. So we, we gotta I keep it love, moving. <laughs> I'm going to keep it moving. So I love that Maya provides some solutions for what must happen to prepare not just black pre-service teachers, but everyone for the classroom after the pandemic. Let's hear it.
3: After this, there should be more courses for teachers to learn how to use technology and more courses for teachers to learn how to make more interactive lessons online. What sources can they use? What sites can they use in ways to make learning fun and educational?
0: Now, I got to be honest and transparent. I know that online learning exists um, for students at many education levels before the pandemic. But I never thought of the day when it would be the reality for all, right? And, and, And not a choice for anyone. I try my best as an educator to stay abreast of like everything that's moving and shaking, that's new because I recognize, you know, I am not a brand new teacher anymore. And so how do I stay, you know, on top of things that are out there and how do I implement those things into the classroom? That's why, you know, it's going to be interesting for me shifting from a clinical faculty member to now a tenure track faculty member because I was always in classrooms and I would see like new innovative things. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying that in my my courses. Mm -hmm. I am an extrovert and, and are, Dr. Trin, um, talked about it. I'm extra, right? And so I love in-person interactions. On the days that I have to teach, I am so excited. It is my heart's work. I yeah. love, love, love teaching. So the first few weeks when we transitioned to this pandemic, I really struggled with engagement because that is something mm-hmm. that I love. That's a big part of my um, teaching. And so I started to do research about the best ways to engage students via technology. And I also put out fillers to educators that I know used a lot more technology than I did because I wanted to to be better. So I agree with Maya. We do have to provide more training for teachers because I think in some districts we made it optional, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, you got to have a Google Classroom and that's enough. Right. But I think that now we know that there's a possibility that a lot of our instruction will have to be online. So all of us are going to have to learn this thing and definitely be more intentional about how we use it. And I
1: think for teacher educators, Maya has really shown me that we really need to do the work of putting that into our classes, showing pre-service teachers how do you use technology and we can do the kahoot we can do um flipgrid and all these youtube videos like these are things that i already do but then how do you make it more engaging with screen time because mm-hmm. we have to prepare for all circumstances like this has been an absolute wake up call for me so i i really i really appreciate all of the information that she shared i mean this has been such an informative conversation with for young, gifted, and Black pre-service. Yes. Pre-service. Come on, yes. young, gifted, and, and Black. Yes, <laughs> like, shout <laughs> out to Rwanda, to Genesis, to Kiara, and to Maya. Like, Thank y'all. They fed my soul. Thank you. They really spoke truth to power. And I hope this gives perspective to those who are in education. If you are listening and you are not in education, I think that you learned something here today as well. And I want you to share it with somebody, like share this podcast with people, because I think that there were so many great gems that were dropped and we can all learn from this podcast. Dr. P, what is next?
0: Girl, we got through it. So so what you reading, though? Like, our next segment is what you reading, though. What you reading, Dr. B, right now?
1: I am still working on um, Jason Reynolds' um, stance, him and Ibram Kendi. I am still working on that. And let me tell you, girl, that thing is the T. You hear me? I the am learning girl. so much about my history about girl harvard everybody wouldn't go to harvard and that, not knowing what happened with the math boys like this yes, one, girl real tea in this book and i just got um through the mail tony morrison's the bluest eye and i'm going to be doing a um, book club with that this summer so i'm excited about that so i'm, I'm kind of reading multiple things right now what about you what you read end up
0: I am also on section two of Stamped, mm-hmm. also. So look at us being oh, on the same page. We need to talk about it. We got to talk about it. And you know what's so interesting and something that's just just on my mind is that with the Black Gays podcast, is we have to be aware of our history, yes. right? In our real history, and I love the way that Ibram and and Jason just breaks this down so that. Anyone can access it. But for me, while I'm reading and I got to tell the truth, I just, I get frustrated because Mm. you, the history is told on the, from the perspective of the victor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so now with this text, I mean, it's just changing the game. I feel like it needs to be taught in every single, like this should be the textbook for American history. Wow.
1: But it's so funny you said that because originally I just had lies My teacher told me for my social studies methods class. And then when I opened this book up and started reading it, I had stamped. So my pre-service teachers in the fall will be reading stamp. Y'all going to be woke. Y'all going to be woke. You might not like it. But yeah. woke, woke, OK, but right. we can't end this podcast without recognizing those who have done the work and doing the work. And so we gotta go to our segment called, I see you. So today we talk about faculty members that are dedicated to supporting black pre-service teachers. Who do you have? So Let me change the verb, who do
0: you have? <laughs> the first person that I wanna recognize <laughs> is um, one of my former colleagues, her name is Mrs. Lisa Knox Brown, and she's a faculty member. And her dissertation, she is, she has defended her proposal. So she is a doctoral candidate. Go, Lise. Come Um, on, doctor. So she created a networking group for the students of color. Like this is in addition to her dissertation, where she has meetings with different professionals of color. Um, in education around the state of New Jersey, and she brings them on Zoom calls with our with my former students of color to have them ask questions, um, talk about their experiences, provide mentorship. So she is amazing. Wow! So Lisa Knox Brown, honey, I, I see, see you. you. And for my second person, not my fifth, eleventh person, oh, but my man. second person. Yeah. I have Dr. Lauren Kelly, and she is an assistant professor of English education. And we worked a lot together when I first got to the last institution that I was at to help create a space. For students of color at the graduate school of education and some of the things that we did together we started the first black student union there but then last wow. um, over the last year we started this thing called dinner and dialogue with students of color and we would host a very fan we hosted a very fancy dinner at a place and then we had dinner on campus where we just brought the students together to talk about their experiences but then we invited speakers Mm -hmm. to come in and we've had a speaker come in and talk about what happens to the physical body when black people experience microaggressions and I just remember them saying like we needed this like this was so important to us so I just want to shout out Dr. Lauren Kelly, girl. I see you. And it was oh, great to do this work Lauren with you. I know Kelly. you're going to continue it um, when I'm gone. And I can't create, can't wait to um, engage in spaces like this at the new institution that I'm headed to. Who do you see, honey? Who do you see with oh, your one God. person?
1: Because I follow <laughs> the rules. So <laughs> I just want to say, Dr. April Muschian, I see See you, honey. And this is really interesting because Dr. April Mustian is a friend of mine. And um, actually, I met Genesis through her. She is... um, When I talk to you about Mm. a co-conspirator, that's what she is. She is one that will put her privilege on the line so that, yes, she's a white woman, but she will put her privilege privilege on on the line. line so that she will be able to make moves to help people of color. And I've seen it, not just one time so that she can put a check on her register, but I've seen her do it on a consistent basis. And I mean, she... Uh, just an amazing woman she um has ran um a culturally responsive campus climate Mm -hmm. um, conference she has taken her students to chicago every semester taking them to the hood hood Mm -hmm. like you would say (laughs) the hood hood so that they can (laughs) so that they can get the experiences and it wasn't a a dream experience she actually worked with community organization so that they will be able to actually do the work they do projects in that community so that the students can get experience and realize that black folk ain't gonna kill you on the south side like that is the work that she does and And dr machine i love you i thank you for your mentorship and just for the work that you do so i see
0: I see, I see you, you okay so I see you um we have come to the end of this a very long episode but we feel like it was worth it um but don't forget right. to subscribe to the podcast on all podcast platforms so you are the first to know every time a new episode drops now to our folks we love y'all we appreciate all of the feedback mm-hmm. you all are providing but but this time around, can you please leave us a formal review and not just a text message oh, or Facebook we love you. Come on now, do <laughs> Rate us all five stars, of course. But follow us on IG at Black Gaze Podcast and Twitter at Black Gaze Pod. Now we know we didn't took up all of y'all day, but they got nothing else to do. With the it's a pandemic. It's your girl Dr. Porcher.
1: and it's your girl Dr. Bertrand,
0: and we yeah. out. This is a pain artistry production.